Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And we are going to the great white north. And I love it. I will go to the great white north any day that I can have fantastic people like this guy that I'm going to be talking to in this podcast. He is on LinkedIn as well as I am on LinkedIn. And that's where we met. And he is doing something really, really cool that I want to tell you about. And if you'll give me a moment, I will tell you more about him. See, what well, we we don't apologize. We do the, we do this on the fly. He's an integrator, an innovator, a, re, a, re, a renovator. If I could talk, it would be all right. Change leader, all-around good guy. Aaron Kachurka joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Aaron, one, did I get that right? And two, how are you today, man? I am really well, and thank you. Yes, you did. Like always, just say it like a sneeze, Kachurka, and you did it just fine, Brian. Bless Thank you. you so much. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, what a pleasure to talk to you today. And I just want to recognize Brian today because Brian, Cyber Monday, I don't know if you put date stamps on these or not, Brian, but your book, I just want to congratulate you for getting your book out. It's fantastic. Amazing accomplishment. Well, Aaron, you had a big part in that too because you were a beta reader and, uh, you know, I'm surprised you didn't get through the book without falling asleep several times or, you know, it, it was, it's probably a really good cure for insomnia. So, you know, maybe it was peaceful and tranquil, but thank you so much for being a part of that process. And I, I really wanted to have you on the podcast even before that to tell your story because man, you are doing something amazing. So let's go here. Most people are trying to survive a pandemic you go and buy a church to renovate during this pandemic. So let's start there, man. What prompted you to go buy a church to renovate it? And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see above Aaron, he's inside yeah. the sanctuary of the church. Let me give you a little view. We'll just go this way. It's a, I don't want to show too much because we were cleaning a closet the other day and there's a lot of stuff left over when a church vacates. How um, beautiful that is that yeah, building it's here. Amazing. It's beautiful it's building. Yes. Yeah. It's a 1963 Anglican and United Church. It's located in Fruitvale, British Columbia, Canada. And I'll do my own plug. So if you're on Facebook, you can follow me on Bought a Church. Um, and uh, our family story is on there. And that's where we spend a lot of time just showing a lot of the fun things we're doing as we're renovating this property. Uh, we really want to highlight a lot of, you know, the family things that we're doing. Cause I, I have a wife and we have two kids, 12 and 10 and, and we're from Saskatchewan, Canada, which is about 10 hours east of here. Um, as we go towards the Eastern side of Canada and we made a huge move in, in coming here to, to British Columbia mm -hmm. and, and starting, um, you know, starting this project. I just want to start off by saying I am not a pastor. So I get this question a lot. Are you opening a church? Is that why you bought a church? No, we did not buy it to open a church, but we did buy it to serve this community, to be quite honest, and to mm -hmm. really see how we can reform it into something purposeful. 
Um, you know, and- you know, Aaron, that's that's a great I, I'm glad you brought that up because again, I hate to see a church closing for any reason because we really need places of worship. They serve as lights in the community and beacons in the community. And I know here in the States, we have churches as old as, as 200 plus years old that, that were founded in their communities and things like that. How does one go about finding a church to buy and renovate like you and your family did? Yeah. You know, it's not even, I think it found us actually, to be quite honest. Uh, We were, you know, I'll take back the story up just a year. You know, it's a bigger story than this, but I'll just back it up just this year because really COVID is its own sub story within this narrative. And, you know, like many, we were impacted by, by the pandemic at the start and, and I was laid off from work and I uh, was fortunate to, uh, to have a, an employer that said, you know, go visit your family, go visit your family in British Columbia, your brother, I have a brother in Penticton and my mom and dad live in Edmonton. And so we took the motor home and you look at my profile, I'm an RV enthusiast. I saw I, that RV yeah. enthusiast, man. That's awesome. And so I had to, like, we had to get away. It was just, it was the weight of it was too much. And I was working from home anyway, doing just fine working from home. So decided to put the mobile office into motion and, and make a tour to the West coast and, and live a little last summer. And we did that. We did that for six weeks and um, visited family, reconnected a whole pile. Uh, and on the way back home, we stopped in this beautiful community called Fruitvale, British Columbia. And we visited with my wife's friends here. And, and we spent five days in total out of our, our six week trip here and really fell in love with the community. Fell did in you love ever with the feel like, let me interrupt you, but there, did, yeah, you, yeah. Ever, did you feel like you spend five days and, and people can travel to different places and they fall in love with it and they go, oh, this is great. And we'll come back next year. We'll come back the year after, things like that. Did you think then that Fruitvale was going to become your new home? No, quite honestly not. You know, we were exploring quite a bit then. And and the next stop actually on this journey as we were on our way back to Saskatchewan to to finish our trip was in Calgary, Calgary, Alberta. and I got a phone call July 28th from my boss and my boss says, Hey, you're fired. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, you don't fit the culture here. You're done with us. And part of that was the decision to go and work on the road uh, during COVID. Um, and, and it was just a difference in values with this employer in the way that it didn't work out. Um, but, but I went back home to Saskatchewan quite defeated at that point in time thinking, okay, you know, now what do I do now I'm among, you know, a lot of other people suffering through COVID unemployed and looking for, you know, a new, 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 new start forward. And, and so we, we started to say, well, let's blow it up then. It is a COVID year. You know, what's the, what's the potential? What, what, how far can we go with change if we're deliberate and intentional on how to, how we do it? And uh, we started looking at location change and Fruitvale was one of the first ones that came to mind. And we, we found a property that almost purchase but then this church just popped up in the in the real estate and and we fell in love and we bought it sight unsold we actually we toured it digitally electronically it really fit within the covid narrative of online and 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 how you really travel the world and see the world differently during this time and so we saw it online and we purchased it and uh it's a wild adventure now Aaron when you think about you get that phone call 
and your boss says you don't fit the values that we have, there, there's two ways you can go with that. The first way is what's wrong with me? Why don't I fit? Or the second thing is, okay, what's wrong with them? Because in this work from home environment, man, you, you know, there's a lot of positions you could work from anywhere. I w- yeah. I, I've got a guest coming on the podcast that I did a, a, a recording with today. And she's from California, went to France to see her dad. Her dad ended up passing away and she got locked down in France. And so she had to work from France and run her business from, from there instead of the United States where she, she lives. When you got that phone call, what were your thought? What was your thought process? Was it, were you mad? Were you, what kind of take me through those set of, I've been there. What was that like for you and your wife to get that phone call? Yeah. Well, it was, it was really tough, you know, and we'll back it up just a little bit is that I was the executive director of the Saskatchewan Forest Service. I've managed very large teams and groups and, and worked on organization, team building, change management. And, and so when I joined the organization, I knew very quickly there was, a, there was a disconnect in values that wasn't going to resolve itself unless we really worked on the problem. And I, I challenged myself to work on the problem with, the, with my employer before I left. But, you know, I, I, we get a call like this out of the blue, and, and I'll say it wasn't unexpected. It was kind of almost a relief, if you will, Brian, in the sense that we had now had some conclusion to um, a very difficult work transition that clearly wasn't in the best of alignment for either party. And, um, and, and you know, I, I, I had that moment. I think that moment that so many leaders speak to where I've lost my job. I've had this major force in transition and you can either choose, as you allude to, to, to look at it as a devastating situation, yeah. or you can choose to really look at it optimistically and say, okay, where does this open my world to, right? And where can I then? And, I, and that's really what we did as a family. We truly did that. We prayed on it. We thought hard. My wife and I, you know, really had a, you know, a lot of conversation about what does this mean? Because it, it took us away from a place that we ultimately loved, which is our home in Saskatchewan you know, a home that we'd built and an area that doesn't have a lot of jobs and opportunity. So upon losing this job, I lost another opportunity to live and work in a place that I've loved with family and other relationships. But instead of taking that as the end of the world and, and deciding which pizza delivery uh, job I was going to take, you know, no offense, but I mean, yeah. You know, looking for that other opportunity to serve and, and film and feed my family in an area that just doesn't provide a lot of opportunity. It was scary. It was devastating. And we had to think very difficultly, very, very, you know, it was a tough decision to think about how do we change our lives to accommodate this, this change in reality. And so I was fortunate, extremely fortunate to begin working with a new company that allows me to work remotely and have encouraged me to do this change and to, and to move away here. Um, they've encouraged me to, uh, to, to be here and work remotely with them in Prince Albert. And by working on this church, it really gives me a new purpose. I, I take this as my full-time job now, right? I look yeah. at this as being my opportunity to uh, use this year, year to learn and grow, and serve my family, and, and perhaps create some function 
within this building that allows me to continue to, to do and advocate for the passions I have, which is, you know, which has been fantastic. And, and that's been my, my, uh, the, the true lesson of all this is, is that, you know, you just roll with it, you pivot and you be intentional with, with what I'm trying to do, which is intentional with my family, intentional with recognizing the value of, of community and, 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 and family um, relationship and trying to diminish the financial piece to a level where, where it doesn't drive or control every decision I make. And hopefully others can get to this place because if we can get there, then our cups run over and we can start yeah. to advocate our passions and really use our gifts uh, for ways that are more than just survival, right? And I, yeah. I, yeah. And I, feel, I feel for everyone right now because I feel that there's so many families and people out there that are in survival mode, right? And that's tough. Oh yeah, absolutely, time. Aaron. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and Aaron, I, I want to talk for a minute because when when I lost my job three almost three and a half years ago, I can't tell you how supportive my wife was through it through a difficult time. I mean, it hit us like you. And 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 as you're telling your story, I'm having flashbacks to August twenty third, twenty seventeen, the day it happened to me, and how my wife just held in there and she's like hey we're gonna get through this and do that how important was your wife's support when you get that phone call in july how important was your wife and her support to what to what happened to you one but ultimately where you were going to yeah uh, oh immensely i mean it, without it i'm you know it's truly nothing without that support you know i i can't I can't overemphasize how important her participation in this conversation has has always been, uh, and we and it and it wasn't just today. I mean, I, you know, we the decision to live as a family really came to our family ten years ago. In you know, it came in in, uh, in twenty ten, and it wasn't that wasn't the time where we decided it. That's the time when we moved from Edmonton, Alberta. To Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, you know, a city of a million to a city of 40,000 people, you know, a, a corporate, you know, in job where you're working with, you know, dynamic industry and, and they're all the rest of it too. Hey, I have an egg. I have an Edmonton Eskimos hat that I, I awesome. am proud of to, to have. Yeah. <laughs> we went to camp. We went to um, Windsor, Canada a few, uh, probably eight years ago. And I told my son, I said, I want something from Canada and they we went to this this uh this outlet mall and we walked in this sports store and he bought an, an Edmonton Eskimos t-shirt and I bought a uh Edmonton Eskimos no I bought a Saskatchewan Rough Riders hat that's what that's I what I want to hear man. I bought a Saskatchewan I should have broke it out man my fault you I should have I should have but here's the thing that I will do for you now my friend behind me is my professional background normally i have the intentional encourager podcast background the the saskatchewan rough riders hat will now have a place on the mantle oh, just for you i love it <laughs> just that's for awesome you, Aaron Kuchurka. well you're, you're just for you man you're taking me to places i didn't want to go when you're talking about the eskimos i love the eskimos don't get me wrong but saskatchewan's my home and the and the rough riders that's where it's at man and, and you know here's the thing aaron let me pivot here for just a, a quick second and we'll go back to you were talking yeah. about your 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 sweet yeah, my wife, wife and how she brought that in yeah for sure go ahead but but let's pivot here for just a second 
for the first time in the history of the CFL, there's no football this year. Yeah. For the first time, and that league has been around. I I, I want to say since the hundred plus. Yeah, 100 or yeah, a hundred plus years. You're you're, yeah. Th- them in the NFL are about the same, about the same age. How are Canadians dealing with no football? And you know, hockey got messed up this year where they yeah. were playing in bubbles and things like that. The Blue Jays couldn't play in in Canada, so they had to play in Buffalo. How are Canadians dealing with? Because sports is, like Americans, sports is a huge part of yeah. the Canadian culture. And so how are, how are Canadians kind of dealing with no CFL football and the hockey season has been delayed a little bit and, and they don't know how they're going to do that this year? What, what, what's, how are Canadians dealing with that? Yeah. It's it's on two levels, right? You either participate or you watch, right? And so right now, the watchers are hurting hard, you know, of course. You know, there's not a lot of content, you know. And so what do you watch in virtual sports for most part? But but so that's, that, that's unfortunate. And it, and it really hurts because our leagues, you know, and our sport teams have a, have a smaller following, but it's, it's dedicated, you know, it's passionate. You know, you take the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, for example, we're a province of a million people, but we support a team like that. And it's, you know, it's, the brand is known throughout the world. Um, and, and that's tough. This, this club might fold. I mean, it's quite possible the entire league may fold because it's so dependent on, on butts in the seats that, you know, that, 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 that might be a reality. And that's tough. That's I don't really understand. Tough. Yeah, and I don't understand that because here in the States, it's different. So I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Yesterday right. they played the New York Giants. There were about 10,000 people in Paul Brown Stadium a, a, of a stadium that holds 60,000. At least in some places, and I, I was watching Green Bay in Chicago last night, they don't have any fans in Lambeau Field. Yeah. I, I just wondered, though, how you – and, and it breaks my heart, too, that, to your point, there may no longer be after 2020 a Saskatchewan Rough Riders football team. They could be yeah. gone. The CFL and my son and I have enjoyed CFL football. I, I I've seen some Thursday night games. Quality ball, it's, man. It's, yeah. it's incredibly entertaining. The three downs, you know, the the three downs versus four in in the American Pro game, um, hockey. Obviously, the the junior leagues in Canada for hockey. Our, our world it's world class I mean it's yeah. just it's world class hockey I, I I didn't mean to pivot there but I I'm glad no. you brought that I'm glad you brought that up well I just you know and and I'm a the, the thing that I often think about and I go I go deep on some of this stuff but it's mental health right and I've been so I were when I worked for the Saskatchewan government and our team was the forest service we worked were the Saskatchewan forest service as the executive director and and we really focused a lot on mental health. And I, I think so much about mental health during this period of time. And, and, you know, it's not so much, you know, a lot of people get upset about the salaries and the disproportionate amount of money that goes towards entertainment. And, and we see that more now than any, anything else, you know, that is exposed, if you will. Right. But, but you also start to see the value of those diversions as well. Right. Yeah. And how, how in, in this time where people are just so overwhelmed mentally with everything, you know, we need escape 
and and it's missing. You know, it, this piece is missing, and it's missing. And I know in in the United States, it's a it's a watch culture, very very you know, and that's great. You know, it's a very full watch culture. Here we might get a million, two million people to watch a game on TV. That's the difference, right? But we'll get fifteen thousand butts and of of ferocious yeah. fans in the stands, right? So, um, but you know, even hockey. You know, here we play hockey all the time. Kids are in hockey. It's winter now. And and right now, a lot of families aren't able to participate as a family. So they drop the kids off the door, fully dressed. The kid goes into the game, practices, they come out, and that's and then mom and dad pick them up at the door. This used to be an entire experience for yes. many families on a weekend, yes. right? Yes. You know, getting dressed, going to the game, you know, helping the kid tie the skates, get out on the ice, you know, watch the game, cheer you know, celebrate, go for a bag of chips afterwards, right? And and now it's it, that, that that whole piece is missing, you know. I, we moved to an area, primarily, this is a big part of why we moved here is, you know, I can't be locked in over this winter again. And and in Saskatchewan, where I live in Saskatchewan, where we used to live in Saskatchewan, it's a colder area, right? And so um, here in, in British Columbia, closer south, further south, the average temperature is around one, around zero. Um, I'll just use the <laughs> that works for both Celsius yeah. and Fahrenheit. Yeah. And um, and so we have skiing and snowshoeing and all kinds of things. So, you know, again, the 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 need to reopen ski hills and reopen, you know, uh, these sort of recreational things is so huge just for our mental health. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, search engine optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Well, how close are you to Vancouver, BC? About six hours east of Vancouver. Oh, wow. And then about six hours west of Calgary. So we're kind of right in the middle of those two big cities. Yeah, and Vancouver and Calgary, Calgary are two of the great western cities of Canada because of their diversity and, and the things to do and, and the quality of life, as you just mentioned, the quality of life. And I'll, I'll say this, many Canadians would feel like that, that the center or the forward or the goalie, and forgive me for not knowing any names, I should have, the best player on the Montreal Canadiens is worth far more than the Canadian prime minister. Most yeah, Canadians oh yeah. would say, yeah, that, that's fine. Pay them whatever they want. And Justin Trudeau can, can, you know, yeah. can go fly a kite for all we care, you know, you know, as long as, but you know, in, in Aaron, what I loved, what I loved seeing a few years ago were the Atlanta Thrashers moving back to Winnipeg and becoming the Winnipeg right. Jets. That oh, was yeah. so that was so cool. And and I read an article a couple of 
couple of about a week or so ago where there's groundswell again to bring a team back to Quebec City. And yeah. so for years, you saw a lot of Canadian teams migrating south. And, and what the realization is, is that the, the, the true, to your point, the true hockey fans, those teams are returning back to Canada because they know that their support is solid. I mean, it's really yeah. solid. It's not going anywhere. And I think that's really good. I, you know, Edmonton for years, you know, with the, with the, with the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, just rabid support. Um, the Canucks in Vancouver, rabid support. The Flames in Calgary, rabid support. And, and that's, that's awesome. Speaking yeah. of mental health, I, I want to go here with you for just a second. I'm glad you brought that up. Right after you got let go, let's pivot back to that for just a second. Right after yeah. you got let go. You're talking about the support of your wife and things like that. How was your mental health in, 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 the, in the days and weeks after that? Because that's a devastating event that, that you're unprepared for. It, it's unplanned. That really can take a toll on a lot of people. What was your state of mind in those, in those first couple of weeks and in, in first month or so? Oh, really healthy, positive, you know, but um, cautious, right? And, and, and the reason I say this, I'm 43 years old, so I'm not, you know, I got a lot to learn um, and, but, but been through a lot too. Right. So, um, you know, the hardest period in my life was when I was trying, was thinking about accepting the job for uh, executive director of the forest service. That was the hardest period because my anxiety at that point in time went through I the disorder that I had and how that was impacting my life. And at that point in time, I, I, I went on medication, I went in counseling and I started to really think about mental health. And so when this other major life changing. And it's funny, that one was, you know, really positive. You're being offered a promotion and it was still very difficult. When this one happened, when I got fired, it was like I said, almost a relief because I knew in many ways it was coming and I didn't know when, and I didn't know how, but I knew that this relationship wasn't going to last forever. And that mm -hmm. was okay. And I was, I'd come to very clear terms with that. I'd already moved on in many ways and thinking about what that next step looked like for me. So when this happened, the anxiety went through the roof and the mental health first aid then really kicked in and really started to think about, okay, how am I feeling? You know, was very aware of myself and the anxiety was starting to go high. And, you know, then you reach out, right? You start to look for resourcing. I spoke to my wife. I spoke to my counselor at that point in time. I spoke to my doctor and I just, you know, was very transparent with the illness and just saying, you know, I feel these symptoms. It's a very stressful point in time. This is natural most if ever all would feel this way but let's just be really you know conscious about how we work through it because you know you've been here before and and you can manage this and and so it's, it's not to say that the impact was any different or that i you know have any thankfully now have a lot of awareness about mental health and how it triggers me personally and how i work through that personally and so i'm a huge advocate again of you know just talking about people's um, mental health and that can be anxiety, depression, any sort of any way that you're feeling and, and then really just thinking about how you work through it and being aware of yourself. And, and that to me is one of the largest steps is if you're aware of those triggers and, and how you're going to feel and react and can, you know, treat, right. And, oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And, and there, there are good days and bad days. There, there are days that, yeah. that you feel really good and you feel positive and upbeat. And then there are days you just kind of get kicked in the teeth. And you're like, oh man, this 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 stinks. You know, 
I, I remember, and I'll go here for just a second, then then we'll we'll tell we'll get in more of your story. I remember there were days after I lost my job that were really good. And there were days of like, man, why am I going through this? Like, what did I do? Like, God, what did I do to deserve this? And for the first time in my life, and I've said this, Aaron, for the first time in my life, I really came face to face with anxiety, depression, fear, doubt, things that I'd never really dealt with before, even after my dad died, you know, but I came face to face with those. And I learned it's like, okay, I've never, I'd never really had to go through those things. And so going through them was like, okay, I now know when they start to come to come at me again, I'm like, I know how to deal with it. And so you're a hundred percent right. And I was reading something. I was reading an article last night and they were talking about in Japan, how suicides are more deadly than COVID. And I'm like, good grief. We, we have got to, we've yeah. got to, as a world come face to face with this and say, Hey, we've got to do some things differently because we're going to lose way more people to suicide than we are, we're ever going to lose to COVID if we don't get our arms wrapped around this. And I know the oh, virus is deadly and I know that, that it's nothing to play around with. I get that, but man, we have got to, we have got to come to terms with there are hurting people out there that if we don't continue to, if, if we've got to open some things up to get people, you know, back to some semblance of normalcy, I, I want to pivot for just a minute. And I want to get to your story and you go back as far as you want to go with telling your story. Um, you know, just, I'm just going to give you the floor. I'm just going to kind of shut up and let you take it. And I may jump okay. in from time to, but take me back into your story and your okay. life as you far do as it, you want to go. Okay. Okay. You know, and, and, and I always like to start, you know, again, I, I feel like my story is divided into two parts. The time I met my wife and we and decided to be part of a family and, and a time where it was, you know, where I was part of another family and that was, you know, my mom and dad and, and growing up and discovering who I was. But, you know, in, in, I met my wife in 2007 and, and met her in Edmonton, Alberta. And, and I had traveled from Saskatchewan at 17 to Edmonton to go to school. And, and I tried engineering and I tried uh, science and everything else. And I did construction. I was, you know, a lot of different stuff, hands-on, really a learning um, but a lot of it just, it, it wasn't my thing. I loved learning, loved always learning, always learning new things and, and growing. And, and, um, and so finally I found leadership, I found business, right. And I went into business and I, um, I got a business degree and I got an accounting designation on a CPA as well. And, and, uh, you know, good with numbers and everything, but it wasn't really my passion. I didn't really like working with numbers. I like working with people. I like explaining you know, the information to people and helping drive decisions and help um, change things. And so that was a real passion. I finished that one finally and, and started working in, in, in a lot of audit and compliance work in a non-traditional accounting world and was really moving up through the, through, through it and learning a lot and becoming successful, making great contacts. And, um, you know, again, focused on making money, doing well financially, right? Those things that seemed yeah. important. And, um, and so then I, I met my wife in 2007 and we met online. And this is where, again, where, you, you know, I think that the lesson and, and learning about the trust of online 
was established for me, you know, at an early, you know, a long time ago where you, you put yourself out that you're into the world, just like this situation today, Brian, where I, you know, we put ourselves out into LinkedIn and we, we yeah. expose ourselves and we put ourselves out there vulnerably. And then ultimately you and I connect in this way. Right. And we have this well, really, it's, it's about being real life here. connection. Yeah. yeah it's a, for it's sure. about being authentic in, in, that's the thing that that I I wish we had more of. I wish we didn't, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I got to go here for just a second. Give her, yeah. It amazes me the people on social media that hide behind avatars, that aren't their authentic selves. And that's what I appreciate about the LinkedIn platform that you and I connected on is it seems that that platform is full of authentic people. Like they're just, they're, they're, they're going, I'm not hiding behind an avatar. This is who I am. If you want to connect with me, let's connect. And it seems like on other platforms, it's the opposite. It's like, well, I'll just say whatever I want to say and spew as much toxicity as I want to spew. And I'll hide behind this avatar. So nobody knows who I really am. And I love what you said there about opening yourself up and you being authentically Aaron and your wife being her authentic self and how it came together for you to meet this beautiful woman that, that you ended up being married to. Yeah. And it's, it's a cool story. So, you know, we meet online and so we meet for ice cream and, and, well, not only before we even meet for ice cream, it's like, where are you from? Well, I'm from a small town in Saskatchewan. And, and she's like, holy shit, I'm from a small town in Saskatchewan. And, and, and we find that we lived like 40 minutes away from each other back when we were kids. And we played hockey in the same, not her, but I played hockey against her brother in her small town. We had a lot of the same friends. And it just, again, so through the internet in a city of a million people, I find this one woman who live 40 kilometers, we have all this connection, right? All this, and, and it's just, you know, again, opening that up to that. And she was authentic with who she was and we met and we went out for ice cream and the rest is history. Nine months later, you know, we were married and, um, and, and then we were deciding, okay, well now what do we do with our lives? And we decided we both wanted to move back to where we were from. So we went, you know, we are, we had our daughter and, uh, and then we had our son in 2010 and we were very focused then on leaving corporate behind and and really focusing on filling our family and and focusing on 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 our family and and moving to a place where you can make less money but it's a it's a smaller place with with mom and dad are there and and you know the recreational opportunities with lakes and rivers and camping and everything else are there and and so we made that very deliberate choice and we we took it i took a huge pay cut and she was, you know, we were all, you know, we worked through this. We made this decision together, a very deliberate, intentional decision to move to another province and start at a different place. Um, because again, refocusing, recentering on family. And that was fantastic. And so I got a job with the Ministry of Environment within the Saskatchewan government. And I was a manager within them. And it was, again, I, I've never worked in forestry, but as the full circle turns, one of my first jobs was as, a, as worked at a sawmill when I was 12 years old. So, you know, back into the forest industry again, which again, it just sort of strange how these things come around. And so I worked for as a manager within this and built a team. It was a smaller team and I loved them. And they, 
that really connected with me. And I learned so much about leadership and developing yeah. people and, and emotional intelligence and human health and, you know, and, and safety and, and, and primarily learned about the environment and developed a huge passion for protecting and serving the environment. See, I'm, I'm um, just, I'm, 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 I'm listening to your story. Yeah. Aaron, I'm listening to your story, man. And it's like, okay, how do you get a job at a sawmill at 12 years old? <laughs> That's amazing, man. Like, like I would have never thought at 12 to get a job at a sawmill. <laughs> that's that's incredible yeah, man. That is labs, so, man yeah that is so that is so good man yeah you know I, that's where you get the big pipes you know yeah so yes yeah, so i mean you're just you're just rolling along with your story like yeah i just you know i like forestry i got a job at a sawmill when i was 12 i'm like wait <laughs> that is so good man that is so good you know oh it's i know it comes together so Go ahead. No, go ahead. I no, go ahead. Well, I'm just gonna say it's the you know it's a love, right? Yeah, it's a love, right? It was really the passion. I lived in an area in Saskatchewan. You know, a lot of people don't know this about Saskatchewan, but if you see a flag of Saskatchewan, it's yellow on the bottom, green on the top, very deliberately, because a half our province is agriculture, our other half is forestry. And so I lived in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, it was right on the forest fringe. So below me. We farmed, my dad was a farmer, and above me, we camped, right? Or we went and got firewood or, you know, whatever, because, you know, the forest was in our backyard and it really developed a sense of loving the environment, loving nature, loving that integration between, you know, managed, managed areas like forestry, like agriculture, and then unmanaged areas like, like forestry and the wild north and those types of sort of concepts and ideas, right? So I was fortunate. I was fortunate then to come back and work for an organization that was serving forests, right? And trying to protect and utilize them in the right way. It was awesome. Man, that's, I, again, I just, I had to break in there. That, that just blew my mind. It's like, you know, when I was 12, I was working in my uncle's snack bar and here you are, yeah, I was working in a sawmill, you know? Well, it's, yeah. It's 12. 12 in Saskatchewan's different, right? Half of my friends were probably running combines by that age, you know what I mean? So you know, driving grain trucks, you know, but that is <laughs> for so sure good. we were. Half yeah. my friends were running combines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. That is so good. Hey, I, I want to ask you this because it, you, you, this is such, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I have enjoyed the daylights out of this, as we say in West Virginia. Absolutely. You know, I want to get to the biggest obstacle that you've overcame and maybe you touched on it, but it, maybe there's another obstacle in your life that, that you overcame. And, and what was the greatest lesson, Aaron, that you learned from it? Uh, you know, I think the biggest obstacle is, is it was a transition, you know, when I was young and growing up and we didn't have a lot of money, we were poor farmers in Saskatchewan. We lived poor and it was a great lesson. My dad gets so mad at me for telling this because he's like, we're not poor. We're never poor. And, you know, and we weren't poor in his mind and in my mind, we were never poor. Never felt that way. But when I look back on it now, I say, no, look, we didn't have a lot of money. We were well off. But the lesson you taught me, dad and mom, is that we were rich beyond our wildest dreams. 
you know, we had a beautiful environment to live in. We had a family that loved us. He took us to church. We needed to play hockey. Three boys all winter long. You know, that was a massive commitment that my parents made for our, for me and my brothers and growing up in the place that we did. And they did that for a long time and suffered through that for a long time, you know, at their own expense. My dad had to go away to work, you know, he had to go away for months at a time to work to make money to come back so he could continue to own and operate his farm because he couldn't make money on it, right? So mm -hmm. I, I was not aware of this lesson, though. That was me living it. But when I got married and I had two children, I really started to then be really conscious of that lesson and wanting to then apply it to my own life, right? And, and recognizing that, you know, we can't just focus on having our buckets so full of money and have that being our sole focus in life, right? You can't be so focused on, if only we paid off the mortgage, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, instead, it, it's about thinking about where all of those balances come from. And I've really changed my viewpoint. A lot of people talk about work-life balance. And I don't. I don't balance. I think you need to find where we find these four pivot points. And then we won't find center. So because if we're only moving one way, life, work, life, work, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, that's linear. And we're not linear people. You know, we don't transition from 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 eight until five or this work and then from five yeah. until this were life no we're people it's not about that so we need to find financial balance physical balance emotional we find that center yeah. you know that's what my family's taught me that's the lesson that my mom and dad taught me is that you know it's not just about finding your financial center it's about finding all of those centers together and, and you can really be happy in the pursuit of all of them, right? I, yeah, I love so, what you said there, you know, man. Whether they fully re realize themselves or whether that pot is of it. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, I love that because what you said there is really important because people th seem to think that they have to separate. It's like, okay, I have to act this way at work. I have to act this way at church. I have to act... And my thing is, if I have to think a lot, as the older I get, I'm 48, the older, the, the more I have to think about stuff, the less interested I get in it. If I can just be the same way all the time, it's much easier for me because then I start, I'm like, listen, this, you know, if, if you're requiring me to make a lot of effort, then, then nah that that's not what i want to do because i you know i'll put forth the effort in my work and things like that and and and, and I, I don't want to confuse that but my point is i would much rather everything just be real simple just just be just be easy you know just be in in sales be easy to do business with things like that and so i love that being centered in everything so you don't have to worry about it um aaron my last question, man, this has been so good. I have, I have flat enjoyed this conversation. Take me and share with the audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Yeah. 
having some bandwidth problems here. So just hang, t- hang, hang tight, Aaron. So take so share oh, with me your biggest piece you know, of intentional encouragement. For me, it's about just being that way. You know, let's just be right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, let's just be, you know, let's just live. Let's just be transparent and honest of intention. You know, and I, I think that if we can do that, we're, we're going to make mistakes. We're human. We always do. But just be satisfied and confident that if you operate with positive intention, that you've really done the best you can. And, and you can go to sleep without that narrative in your head. And you can let that go to rest. And you can just go and wake up the next day and continue to operate with positive intention and on we go right and and fearless forward yesterday was or what tomorrow will bring and and try to bring yeah i i love that that is so good man just think about today and that is that is that's awesome aaron this has been such great conversation i would strongly encourage folks to connect with aaron on linkedin A-A-R-O-N, his last name is spelled K-U-C-H-I-R-K-A. Connect with him on LinkedIn. I went ahead and followed Bought a Church on Facebook. Go to Bought a Church on Facebook, and you can uh, chronicle with Aaron and his family their journey in buying a church. And uh, just, man, just connect up with him. Aaron, this has been a blast. I, I have enjoyed this thoroughly. By the way, 12-year-olds running combines. That will be in my head for a <laughs> long time, man. That is so good. Aaron Kikirka, thank you so much for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Oh, thank you, Brian. It's been fantastic. I love hearing and, and hearing your story as well. So I love this platform. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on the Intentional Encourager podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.